I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the last of the season edition of sharing socks the white Sox season that is there will be a long month of extra play that they don't play in i'm uh south side Sox <laughs> duty geezer lee allen with me my son and west coast correspondent will and we are wondering if they're going to make it to 100 losses divine intervention divine intervention in boston gave the Sox two wins <laughs> which could make the difference first of all Luis Robert, opposite field, hits the bottom of the pesky pole, the cheapest home run available on the majors. I think I've hit balls 311 feet. 311. <laughs> That's got to be not a home run anywhere else. Oh, it's I, definitely not anywhere else, no. Yeah, it, it I was, was going to say. Of, there's... One of 30. You know, StatCast does that thing now of how many places yeah. something would be a home run. Yeah, that was I don't it. think anything's within 20 feet of that. That's that is the cheapest home run you can possibly hit in all of Major League Baseball, and it has, probably all you know, of Minor League Baseball. You have things like even in Fenway, the Green Monster, and it's not that far, but it's so high. Yeah, you, pesky, you still a, have to have low fence. It's not even a guy leaps up and makes the catch fence; it reaches down and makes the catch fence. So uh, yeah, so that that was that one, and then uh, Ophelia stepping in. And ending the game after six innings on Sunday with the Sox ahead by one run. I have a feeling, because I looked at the forecast of Boston when that was going on, it looked like it was going to stop. Maybe about 7 o'clock their time. But I have a feeling if that game was of the slightest bit of importance to anybody about other than people counting to 100, the Imps would have stayed it out. But it made no difference to Boston. It makes no difference to the White Sox. What it made the difference was umpires were going to miss out on a nice seafood dinner in Boston. <laughs> because it wasn't going to end till nine o'clock at night. And they'd have to immediately hop on a plane to some. So yeah. they're yeah. in control. They called. Yeah. I mean, I think at that point, you know, you've got two teams with the little E next to their name in the standings. And then you've got a, a situation where you're talking to ownership, you're talking to the, the management team, and they're saying, well, if you pick this game back up, we have to cut beer sales anyway. Because <laughs> we're right. already in the sixth. So you'd have one inning potentially of beer sales. Uh, theoretically, you'd have beer sales throughout that whole delay because there's only the sixth inning. And I'm so, sure they did, yeah. But there's also a concern in Boston with that. Of, you know, if you go on a three hour delay with beer sales open in Boston, you're, you're, you're talking about your security team having to do a lot more work than they would normally even have to do because they would have been throwing people out of that ballpark left and right after a three hour beer break. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a game you finish in almost any circumstance except the one that they're in. And there's no reason to finish it. There's. So the Sox now come home three games against uh, Arizona, which has every reason to play for 
the, the uh, Diamondbacks are in the fifth slot in, in the wild card. So this is the second of the three wild card slots, half game ahead of the Cubs. So they could fall back to the Cubs and still be in number six. Uh, and only one and a half over Miami, which that's sort of like we just call them the Jake Berger team. <laughs> yeah. For the day, Jake went to Miami and said, boy, am I happy to be playing ball Who want to, the people who want to play ball again. He's hit like 750. And yeah. It's been amazing. And apparently, did, did you see the advice that he got that, that changed him from a, a power hitter, but, but to a very, very consistent hitter? I haven't. Can I guess? Yeah. Luis Arias said, make the ball hit the bat. It's close. What the what the Miami coaches said was, don't swing so hard. Oh. Now, you'd think maybe somebody in the White Hot, White Sox coaching staff could have, could have suggested that at some point. So he wasn't hitting 214, I think it was here. <laughs> did the White Sox um do the White Sox even have a hitting coach? I, I think they do. They change every year, so I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I thought maybe they were just out. winging it at this well, point. Well, somebody from Kansas City, because we, we bring in everybody from Kansas City because they're desperate to find a team worse than us. I uh, think it's so interesting. Anyway, I, I, you know, it's it's kind of crazy, too. So the Padres, who we finish with, are also in this weird position of all of the sudden being an excellent team. They've been terrible the entire year. in their last 10 games, yeah. And they had just won eight in a row. They are not eliminated. They no, are they're still, they're almost still eliminated. Almost and, eliminated. And I, and I think one of those uh, – I looked at the pitching matchups with Arizona. Arizona has no pitching. They just got all this hitting. Their pitching stats show they're about average. But, God, these starting pitchers, I think all of them maybe are is over five. It's like they're well, in Colorado. Not not uh, Zach Gallon. I mean, unless not, face, not facing Zach. Gallen. Oh, you mean of who they're facing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of the ones that the ones that are on the schedule. Now I don't know with the you know with the move back there may be some adjustment there, but they, they weren't set to face him. They're facing three guys with really high ERAs. Um, but I guess at the end it'll be interesting because in San Diego, normal rotation, Blake Snell pitched the last game of the year. Now, a lot of times you have your superstar last game of the year, but then they'll be eliminated. Yeah, he doesn't pitch. But Snell is the leader for the Cy Young. Right. And, and, it, and it's a tight race. And it's, and a, it's tight a tight race. race. And I think he's going to want to pitch to solidify his numbers. I don't think he's going to be fearing the White Sox very much. So uh, that's going to be interesting. So if they get to 99 losses, by the by, the last game, I think a hundred looks it's looking really good. Uh, well, and it's possible; it's unlikely, but it's possible the Padres will be playing for a wild card spot on the last it, day. It, it's, it's, I, yes, it's extremely I mean, unlikely, but it's possible. A, everything has to go their way. They pretty mu- they have to win out, and everyone else pretty much has to lose out. But you know, the the White Sox are going to face two teams with something to play for. Uh, which is the beauty of this new scheduling is that we're not seeing them play the Royals and the Tigers to end the season, which is usually what we're stuck with. You know, an interesting thing, and maybe not this time, but it won't show we should talk about it. There's a lot of talk about what was dissension, no clubhouse leadership, all the things that have been said about the Sox all season in San Diego. Big time. A big lot of articles in the last couple of days 
uh, saying this is this is a problem that they don't. I don't even know why you need clubhouse leadership, frankly. I, I don't know what it's even about, although it's cool to see Elvis Andrews kind of work with the, the young guys. Uh, but I don't know that has to be the whole clubhouse. It just was the rookies. He, he, he works with Sosa and he he uh, he worked uh, with uh, Oscar while at Colas while he was up. Uh, but at any rate, uh, yeah, so that's going to be the end of the regular season. But before we take any break and everything, I have two words for you. Joe Kelly. Yeah, buddy. You got it. Now, I got to tell that the audience out there, Will texted me and said, Joe Kelly wants to play on my softball team after the season's over. As- I presume you were Ralph testing out the avocados to see what's what's ready. And this guy come up, taps you on the shoulder and says, Excuse me, but I know that you are a noted local softball player. My name's Joe Kelly. Would you mind if I join your team? I think he's he's goofing. I don't think it's <laughs> going to happen. I do have my mariachi bobblehead Joe right here just to try to will this into existence. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't I don't think that's gonna that's gonna happen. But that's okay. Fun fun to think about. We would be the most popular team in the history of rec league softball. <laughs> Uh, although, you know, having Joe Kelly on the mound doesn't matter as much in a uh, 12-inch slow pitch, uh, you know, there's not that much you can do with it. Uh, I, I to looked get it up, done. you know, he's been around long enough and was in the National League originally because he came up with St. Louis. He's got like 100 plate appearances in the majors. There is no doubt in my mind and Joe Kelly can mash and slow pitch softball. Yeah. <laughs> he, hit, he hit 163. That's his career average, which, you know, well, for position players, that's a lot better than Seve Zavala this year, incidentally. Pretty damn close to Sosa and Colas. But uh, for a pitcher, 163 is pretty darn good. A uh, few doubles in there. I think 163 at the major league level equates to 998 in slow pitch softball. And yes, and and the one out will be because it was a line shot that stuck in the third baseman's glove while he was falling backwards from the impact. Yeah, the shot. it's it's <laughs> going to be a guy who was just avoiding the hospital, and the ball ended up in his glove somehow. That's that's all that would be. Um, so we have our we have our uh, AL Central here, which let's just talk about our historically bad division. <laughs> Uh, for a second. So uh, my prediction was wrong from last week. I fully admit the Twins are going to have a winning record. Yeah, um, we both we both thought that Cleveland was going to come from behind, but they've collapsed. So we are the only division in baseball that has a little X and four E's next to <laughs> the other teams. We are the only division in which every team was eliminated and has been eliminated for a few days. Quite some time, yeah. Uh, That is unbelievably terrible. You've got the Twins, who are actually maybe kind of good. Um, The only reason I'm saying that is they have a run differential of plus 102. Now, keep in mind, of course, and we talk about this a lot, they're playing the White Sox. They're playing the Tigers. They're playing the but Royals. Less. But not as but not but as less. Well. But less. You know, so fifty two times instead of seventy six. That's a big difference. This Twins team, uh, of course, I'm not going to come out and say that they're going to win their first playoff game since I've been alive, essentially. But uh, they may not be a team to totally walk over. They have some pitching this time. 
Yes, and that is going to be the big difference. Is it, you know they're going to play that sh- the wild card series. Uh, that's that's a guarantee. They're going to play in or and they'll play the, play every nut is six, which right now could be Houston, could be Seattle. Texas has a bad week. It could be them. It could be Toronto. Uh, all very good teams. There's there's no way that they win that series. However. Actually, I shouldn't say that. There, you know, it's it in a shorter series. They're at home. the The Twins are going to be at home. It's possible that this team makes it into the divisional series. There is, I I will say firmly, there is no way they make it to the ALCS. There no, is just no, no. no way. They are just going to go up against powerhouse offenses. That even though the Twins have some pitching this time. It's not gonna. It's not gonna make a huge difference. It's. It's just they're gonna be up against really big things. But you know, playing at home in the wild card series, they're looking so well, and much I think better. Particularly, they can totally align their pitching. So if they want Sonny yes. Gray to pitch game number one, Sonny Gray pitches game number one. Whereas for the three teams in the West, they could go down to Sunday, having and, to win and that game. Likely will. I mean, based, based on Saturday. how it looks. So they, they are, they're not going to be able to arrange their pitching at all. They're going to have to do their best pitchers as soon as they can pitch them to get into the playoffs. Yeah, that's exactly right. The Twins the twins are going to be able to set this up in their favor. And, you know, if, if they're at home and they're playing a fatigued uh, wild card team that just sneaks in, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that whoever they're playing is better than the Twins. Whoever oh, yeah, they're playing is a is a better team. You know, the, the West is just eating itself right now. Those three teams are excellent. Seattle, Texas. Seattle, of course, just got swept by Texas, which was really, really brutal way to come into the final week. Those teams are, are, are eating each other up, and their destinies are in their hands. They're playing each other this week. I mean, yeah. the, the scheduling is, is really exciting, I actually think, for the last week of baseball. That you know the Cubs uh, on the other side, uh, they are going to be playing the Braves and the Brewers, which the Cubs have a lot to play for. The Braves and the Brewers actually don't really. the The Braves do need to win a couple games this week because what the Braves really don't want to do is is let the Dodgers pass them. And what the Dodgers really don't want to do is let the Brewers pass them, which I believe is a lose-out, win-out scenario for that to even possibly happen. It might have actually – the ship might have sailed yesterday, actually. I I have to double-check on that. Um, But the Cubs are playing really good teams. However, they are not going to see – you know, the Cubs probably aren't going to see Spencer Strider unless he – it's for, you know, a five-inning warm-up. You're probably not going to see Woodruff or, or Peralta. Uh, unless it's a shorter inning tune-up for for the playoffs, but you know the Brewers are are in a position they're going to play the wild card series. They're going to be able to align their people. Um, the Brewers are in right. a great spot. They, the The Brewers have three great starters, and I mean these guys are really good in in Woodruff, Peralta, and Burns. They're going to be able to start that wild card series with those three guys in whatever order they want. Somehow they've got to score a run, but. They got to score, but with those guys, you only got to score a couple, and they they are just in a, a great position to make it to the the NLDS. Now, the big issue there is 
whoever's waiting for them, which will most likely be the Dodgers, uh, they got the week off. So they are also going to be able to rest and recuperate and shape up a pitching rotation that is not nearly as advantageous. <laughs> I mean, for, for the Dodgers, they're the biggest thing going in their favor is that the Brewers are going to pitch those three guys uh, right away. So in a dream world for, for the Dodgers, you need the Brewers to sweep that series, throwing Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta so that you're not going to have to face all those guys in order when you play them. Uh, the Braves are, are sitting pretty, you know. The, yeah, I, I, the think Braves. It, I think it works out that you would – you might face the first two. Right. Because you got if, – if Burns is game number one, then he has game number two, he's off. Travel day, he's off. That's two. Game number three, he's off. Travel day before the next series, that's four. He's on regular rest for first game of the next round. Yeah, which will probably be Woodruff instead of Burns, but uh, yeah, but you're, they both you're gonna... they both they they both would be one and two because it's the same rest situation because of those two travel yeah. days. Or Peralta would, yeah, yeah, um, which is going to be interesting because you're going to see if the Brewers make it through their wild card series, which I think they will. Uh, you're potentially going to have a Woodruff uh, Kershaw game one of the NLDS, which is very exciting. I mean, that's that's pretty cool playoff baseball right there after that we won't talk about uh, well, well no that because of the white Sox tie-in we should because it looks like game number two is lance lynn yeah I, and, it's, it's last two games he's been very good yeah i was there last night uh for the walk-off win i don't if you get a chance uh you should check out they mic'd miguel rojas at shortstop and while he was mic'd, a uh, very hard ground ball was hit to him. And he said, uh, hold on, guys, just got to make this play real quick while <laughs> he's making the play. And then they were like, oh, good thing you did that. And he goes, yeah, good thing, because I, I don't want Lynn to be mad at me. I do not want <laughs> Lynn to be mad at me. And I'm like, oh, wow. He's, <laughs> Lynn hasn't been around long, and he's already got Miggy Rowe uh, a little afraid of making an error out there, which is uh, – Fun, but Lynn. I, I mean, if if you're a Dodger fan, Lynn was a hell of an acquisition from the White Sox. I, I mean, Kelly's he's, been good too. I mean, Lynn is a much bigger deal, but Kelly's been good. Kelly's been hurt. solid if he can stay healthy. Lynn has had one and a half bad outings, and other than that, has been stellar. I, I mean, really good. He's he's going out. He's throwing six or seven innings each time. He's doing the landslide thing. He's gonna give up a home run. Uh, yet last night there was a guy on base, but there's usually not a guy on base even. Uh, so Lance Lent, I mean, the, the Dodgers are, are thanking the White Sox right now for, for what's going on. They, that really looked like a, a good deal. I mean, they, they got a great deal for, for Lance Lynn and, and Joe Kelly. I mean, that was, that was super smart. And it's, it's fun to watch these guys who were on the miserable White Sox go other places and, Excel, you know, the Cleveland picked up Giolito at the last second, essentially for free. He's not going to be on in Cleveland next year. Um, but Giolito has not really shined. But Ronaldo Lopez, on the other hand, has been making a case for Ronaldo Lopez. And we kind of oh, yes. had, the, we've kind of had this feeling about him for quite some time. I think if you go back and listen to, uh, 
early episodes of this podcast, we talk a lot about Ronaldo Lopez's natural abilities. The the guy when he is on has wicked stuff. I mean, he is he is strong. He has the skill. I think he's a guy who very much needs a great pitching coach. I could see Ronaldo Lopez staying in Cleveland. Um, Cleveland, as we know, does better with pitchers than almost anyone else. And Ronaldo Lopez is the kind of guy where I think with the right pitching coach, I, I, I think he could be an elite closer. Um, he's He's got that kind of stuff. I don't see a world where Ronaldo Lopez goes back to being a great starter. But I do see a world where Ronaldo Lopez is an elite closer somewhere in Major League Baseball in the next couple yeah, of years. Very, very possible. And and he's got a good work ethic. He's got tenacity. I, I do think that. We do need to take our break here. We're running a little long. Uh, got caught up in, in baseball talk, which is what we're supposed to do here. So I'm not apologizing. Uh, but hang out, and we will be right back on Sharing Socks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. In the first half, we talked all things miserable about the AL Central and our journey to 100 losses. What else you got for me, Geezer? Well, the uh, can't can't go without making a back reference here to what is now a month old. Uh, the shooting in the park uh, this morning. Right. This morning, the Tribune had a front page piece that said very little. Uh, Basically, the cops aren't saying anything. They did get a quote of sorts from somebody who was not authorized to be a quote, talking about how the woman with the injuries is not cooperating with police. Uh. And I, I think the suspicion, I mean, the whether it was the fat folds, which is the great story, uh, sneaking the gun. That great way, story. I, I think they've been suspicious of her from the beginning. They just haven't been able to put it together. But the cops are saying but, that, but that they've also the been thing. saying the co- that the game should have been called off. But that well, as far yes. as finding out the cause, I mean, it's insane that it came from outside the park. And I, I have suspicions. You know, they, they were on this thing inside the park, had to be her, could have been somebody else, but it looked like her. And the cops ruled out outside the park. There are two bullets. You can't have two bullets come a foot together from a mile away. It, it doesn't work. You know, no, but, not not on the trajectory comes, that comes Jerry Reinsdorf says, no, impossible that it was in the park. We have incredibly great security. It had to be from outside. And suddenly the cops weren't saying that anymore. Now, Reinsdorf mm-hmm. is saying it because his liability goes way, way down if it's some act of God bullet flying out from 49th Street or something. And 
also, uh, you know, it doesn't scare people in the park very much. Well, that's not going to happen again. Or okay, there. So it's the liability, it's et cetera, et cetera. And I stopped. All of a sudden, the cops weren't saying anything. And all on our security, you talk about a security thing. I wonder how many of the investigators in whatever that precinct is are going to have really, really nice season tickets next year. Yeah. I mean, I'm not making any accusations. I'm just saying one wonders why suddenly, suddenly the idea of it being inside the park disappeared after Reinsdorf, who is not noted for being an honest person, uh, comes out and decides on his own that, no, I couldn't have come from 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 inside the park. Now, that, that's yeah. probably not the case, but it, it's weird uh, that he had such influence that all of a sudden talk of it inside the park just just stopped and it's been stopped for weeks since he did that. So this, this is an Agatha Christie level mystery. I, I just, I just saw haunting in Venice, uh, the latest of the Agatha Christie films. I, I think there is one person on earth who can truthfully solve this and it is Hercule Poirot. And With his little gray cells. I don't think he's going to come out and, and help us out. I mean, the big thing for me is just the easy thing here, which is where's the gun? Where's the gun? If if she got a gun in through the fat that's, hole, that's, that's, which that's is certainly certainly a good which question. is a a great story, as you said, it's a great theory. Where is it? I mean, if she's there and sh- there's a bullet in her and there's a bullet in the lady next to her, where's that gun? And how have they not found that gun? Because you don't see anyone in the video run up to a trash can. You don't see them. I mean, I would assume that if they passed it off to anybody, that person would say, this is the gun. <laughs> um, I My theory, which I've had for a little while here, I'm sticking with, which is that it is a discharged security weapon of the Chicago White Sox. I, I just don't see. But then you add in this factor of she's not cooperating. Why would she not be cooperating? But as we said, there's always dirty things at play here. Maybe she has been persuaded to not cooperate <laughs> from from either the. Well, she the, got a lawyer. She immediately got a lawyer, and the Trib article today said that he is a personal injury lawyer, so she's lining up to sue. Which so, why wouldn't you get a lawyer if if all these articles come out that say you snuck a gun in through your fat folds? Uh, first thing I would be is like, I need a legit person of course, for this. For all we know, this woman in question weighs 112 pounds. <laughs> we, we, we yeah, we, we don't know. But you watch the video. There doesn't seem to be a reaction to the noise of a gunshot. Now, those are some serious fat folds. If they can not only pull a trigger, but they can muffle entirely the sound of a gunshot. In a well, you know, the cops, the cops otherwise quiet stadium. What what kind of bullets these are? I mean, they right. couldn't have been, been a little twenty-two or a Derringer or some silly thing like that. Uh, and uh, if they, they come out and go, "What's a forty-five? Well, then you know somebody heard something. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, no matter what, if you're sitting in front of a lady who's got a gun in her tummy, and the gun discharges. You're hearing that gunshot. You are still hearing that gunshot loud and clear. And you just don't see that, which makes me think 
Not that it came from outside the park, but that it came from some numb nut inside the park who's got a gun working security. I don't know how this would have happened. I don't know how this would have discharged. I don't have any idea, but you know, crazier things have happened. And I, I, I just don't know. This is a great mystery. I mean, the one thing we know now is that the White Sox did the absolute wrong thing in not stopping the game. That's the one thing we know. We had two people shot in a baseball stadium, and, the, and, the, and they didn't stop Chief the game. Just said that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, that was a huge, huge, disgusting move by the White Sox. It's just absurd. It 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 eliminates all trust amongst your fans that this is going to be a safe environment when you hear that people are being shot in the ballpark. I mean, you, they're doing $1 tickets on Thursday. I I don't know that I would go. I mean, $1 <laughs> ticket day, they're probably going to work with bare bones staff that day. And you got people, you got people discharging tummy guns, theoretically. Uh, I, uh, this is just a, a disaster on top of all the rest I, of the I, disasters. I think the fear on the other side of we call off this game right now and come up with whatever reason we can possibly come up with, you do have the distinct possibility of panic that people are going to get. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you, you don't necessarily have to stop the game and say a gun was fired in the stadium. You, you don't have to stop it and say that because that causes panic. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about a White Sox game. So the idea that there would be hordes of people running anywhere and you would have like a stampede scenario, pretty, pretty hard to do. But, with but, it, like- but it was a big it was a bigger than usual crowd because they had that concert after. It was, right, it was right. Friday right. night and they have concert fireworks and all that kind of stuff. Which is so. exactly why they didn't stop the game, which is exactly why it's disgusting. I mean, well, they I, canceled the concert. Right, which is just crazier. It's just they did everything wrong. They made every wrong decision you can possibly make. And it seems like there's going to be virtually no repercussions for it, except for the lawsuit that's going to come from the lady who was just plastered all over the internet. She had a gun in her stomach. Um, well, nobody said I, who she is or showing a picture. Or anything. I, 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 I've never but, seen anything that identifies her. But still, but still, it's not a kind thing to have said. It's a, a possible <laughs> theory. You know, eventually we're going to know who you are. Uh, I, I'm still leaning on the the security guard discharged a weapon. Very possible. Very possible. I, I, I just don't see, an, and it could have been a security guard or it could have been a Chicago police officer. Well, I, is, I'd say there, there's one of our regular contributors on uh, Southside Sox is a state trooper. And he said that the story that off-duty police officers are allowed to bring their guns into the park is not true. Yeah, that that does not sound true. Yeah, that I I can't imagine that to be the case that you they could bring their duty gun into the ballpark when they're off duty. I I think it was likely an on duty person, <laughs> which makes yeah. it even even worse. Um, but I don't know. I I don't know, and I don't know that we're ever going to know the truth of this. I'm very excited for the ESPN thirty for thirty or the. Netflix documentary called Tummy Gun or whatever that will be. Uh, I will obviously be watching all three episodes in one sitting. 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And it just adds another level to this garbage season and fan experience that we've had. Uh, you are not going to the dollar game. I do know someone going to the dollar game. I'm honestly surprised because we know our friend Jerry Reinstorf very well here that the Thursday game isn't $100 tickets with $500 parking because <laughs> the guy is just awful to his fans. But I guess, you know, when, you, when you're forced to move a game, uh, you, you finally decide that it's better to have people in the park buying $12 beers than it is to have them at home. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the concept, all right. But you would think that would always be the concept for a team that is and it could struggling be. to draw Interesting. crowds. Uh, weather forecast right now, Thursday is supposed to be nice for the dollar game. But Wednesday is supposed to be lousy. So if Wednesday gets stormed out, you could have a double head because they have to play that game because you know, after the Sox. Yeah, game, Arizona, Arizona has game, to play. play. Yeah. So, so I could have a double header, $1 <laughs> three part. That would be interesting. <laughs> that would be very interesting. Of course, knowing Jerry Reinsdorf, it's going to be a day-night doubleheader. So you got to leave the park and then pay another dollar to get back in. Uh, and only the only the night game will have parking for free. So if you're going to the day game, you got to pay twenty bucks, and then you can leave your it's car. Thirty for now, free. isn't it? I don't even know. I I don't know out there. But it, yeah, probably preferred parking is at least thirty. Uh, I don't know about regular parking, uh, but either way, well, it'll be interesting to see if anybody's attending any of these games for the rest of the year. I, I just don't know why you would. Um, you've got actual uh, legit baseball happening on the north side, as much as it pains me to say that during yes, our championship it's, it's very window. Painful. I keep, keep watching the wild cards and hoping, come on, Miami, Miami, you can get over. Oh, come on, I come know. on, come on, come on. It's fun. It's, it's, I wrote, it's, I really wanted, of course, because your niece and nephew are have become big Bengals fans, as they should. They live in Cincinnati. Uh, was for the Reds to do better. They just had a terrible weekend with Pittsburgh. I mean, they blew a nine-run lead, among other things. They're yeah, still they only did. two and a half games out of a wild card, so it's not impossible, but they've really hurt themselves. Well, what's made this season so fun um, outside of the White Sox, which has not been fun, is we've seen a lot of teams that were not expected to be good yet be good, which always makes for a way more interesting baseball season. Yeah. You've, you've yeah, got, the, you know, this is a season where you expected pretty much everything to be over and done with at this point, with the exception of the AL East race. And what we're seeing is quite a few teams – that have a lot to play for in the last week, and it's because of these overachieving teams. The Reds being one of them, well, the Marlins well, being even one of the them, AL East, the Diamondbacks, the very much uh, well, a surprise team. The Orioles, who were, I think, by all predictions, expected to be a third or fourth place team, not not to be bad, but in a very good AL East to be your third or fourth place team, they're likely going to win this division. That's still a race. Tampa's on their heels, but. They're not that close to their heels. And then you've got Toronto still fighting for this thing. The AL West is very exciting. And the NL is very exciting because you're seeing overachieving young players who play with speed and play with fundamentals who are keeping these teams in. And usually those things fizzle out by August. Like usually if your team is a lot of young guys 
you're going to fizzle out by August because they're not used to 162 games of that level of competition. You know, when you're, when you're a rookie or you're in your second year, you know, you're still kind of adjusting to those things. People don't realize how brutal this workload really is. And uh, usually those teams are, are, are fizzled out by now, but here we are, we're in the last week of September and we're talking about a Reds team that wasn't expected to be good for a couple more years. Talking about a Marlins team that wasn't expected to be good for a couple more years. Talking about a Diamondbacks team that wasn't expected to be good for a couple more years. So it has been a very, very fun baseball season and you still technically have the Giants in it. You still technically have the Padres in it. Um, you know, the Phillies, I think, are pretty much locked in at this point. They're not technically locked in, but they're definitely in the driver's seat for the wild card. Uh, and then with the exception of the AL Central, baseball has been very exciting this year. Um, you know, we'll, we'll just touch on this. The new rules have seemed to be a great benefit uh, to the sport in general. They're seeing attendance records all over the place late in the well, season. Well, well, not all over the place. Let's let's be clear, not all that's, over the place. Yes, that's, that's true. I, I, I just mean we're seeing a lot of them, uh, which is very <laughs> exciting. We're seeing the average game time is way down. You know, I was at a 10-inning game last night. That was two hours and 54 minutes, which, you know, if this were 2007, that game would have been five hours and 25 minutes. So very exciting stuff. We have seen a little bit on the other side of games being a little too short. Um, we, you know, I think there was a game in the AL last week that came in around the, the 140, 145 mark, which, you know, it, it's work to go to a baseball game if you're a fan. It takes time, it takes money, it takes energy. You get there, you don't necessarily want to be going home in an hour and 45 oh, no, minutes. No, 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 I never heard anybody anybody complain about going to a mark burley game true true and you know he tended to throw in two hours 205 206 you know he was he's a a fast pitcher as well um i do hear a lot of complaints when the games get closer to that two hour 210 215 mark um, fans are a little bit like, oh, you know, because ticket prices are very expensive across the league now for the most part. And you're talking about people who've saved up a lot of money and they, you know, they go to the game, they're paying 15 bucks for beers. And all of a sudden, you know, you're an hour and 40 minutes in and you're in the eighth inning. And uh, there has been some pushback on that. That said, I would much rather have that than the other type of griping, which is why is this three to yeah, one and game? I think, that, I think that's going to be very minor griping, especially over time, because you're not losing any action. Correct. Correct. You're getting it's, as it's, many minutes of actual baseball yeah. being played as you did in the three hour game. Yeah. The, the complaint is not, you know, we're about the actual game. The complaint is just about like, oh, I came out with my buddies for this full day thing, and now it's ending up being a two hour thing. Um, and no, those guys uh, are complaining because they got to the seventh inning by uh, an hour and twenty minutes, and beer sales got cut off. That's what's really exactly going there. Well, and that is, and I know uh, I have a buddy who works in in analytics for a team, and. He said that they're losing about a million and a, or a million and a half dollars per game because of the pitch clock. 
because you get to the bottom of the seventh so much faster. Some some teams cut off in the seventh. Some teams cut off in the eighth. You're getting there a lot faster now, and you're seeing a, a lot of beer sale losses. So it's it's really interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the teams feel moving forward. I know they're adjusting the rules slightly for the postseason. Uh, the pitch clock's going to be a little bit longer in the postseason. Oh, I, I thought they changed that back. I, 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 I can clearly oh, be I, wrong. I thought that they had officially changed it to a 20-second clock in 25. Uh, for oh, the okay. Postseason, I, but, I, I may have but, missed the latest switch. But maybe we're both wrong. Maybe if you're listening to this podcast, comment on it and tell us we're both fools. Um, but I mean, that was more, that was less about beer sales and more from the pitcher's requests of, of having to pitch so quickly in high leverage situations, which I do understand. I, I, I think it's actually smart to, cause you're talking about adding five seconds. You're not talking about taking the clock away. I, I think it is a, the correct decision if they made it, uh, to give five more seconds on each of those things for the postseason. I mean, you work this hard to get here. I think it's probably better in those high leverage, high pressure situations to give these guys a little bit more time uh, to make these decisions. You you don't want anything. The other thing is you really don't want anything in a playoff game to be a pitch clock violation on either the batter or the pitcher. You really, really don't want to see that in the postseason, And that's when guys are going to be very nervous. There's going to be tons of pressure. They're going to want to take a little more time. You don't want to get into a situation where you're in, you know, a game seven and a guy gets a called strike three because he wasn't facing the pitcher in time. Um, that's, that's garbage. That's, that's the wrong way to, for, for that to go down. So I hope they did do that because a, a little bit more time makes sense. And you've got wiggle room. You know, you've shaved off like over a half hour on average of games. So, you know, extend that clock a little bit, put 15 minutes back on for the postseason. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I, I think that's totally fair. We are uh, out of time for this week, though. Do you have any final thoughts before we... Well, I said at the top, this will be our last one of the regular season. By the time we chat again on here, it will be in the playoffs and we'll have nothing White Sox to talk about. But at that point, I think we can take a look forward to what can happen with the White Sox as soon as the day after the World Series is over. Uh, yeah, and, and there's and, a lot. And look at there's things. a lot that can happen. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be quite a bit. And, of course, we'll be here to talk playoff baseball, even if it's not White Sox. We're going to see yes. a lot of guys who were White Sox in oh, the yeah. playoffs. And, yes, we, we always you know, do. <laughs> we always do. In fact, most years it seems like when you get to the World Series, you're like, oh, a former White Sox versus a former White Sox. He had an ERA over 12 with us, and now he's got an ERA of 1.23, and he's averaging 11 strikeouts. World Series with Lance Lynn pitching to Jose Abreu. (laughs) Could absolutely happen. And, oh, my gosh, can you imagine, can you imagine a a high-leverage World Series scenario where Joe Kelly is pitching to Alex Bregman in the World (laughs) Series? I mean, if that doesn't make your mouth water as a baseball fan, I don't know what does. And and we are right back there. That could absolutely happen again. But we will see you uh, next time for some playoff baseball. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Sharing Socks.